0: To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper, but I believe it is so much more, the ability to craft a story, to change lives, to transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways the reader never dreamed possible. Yes. To have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways. To feel a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheeks. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste the delicacy on a foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before touching places long forgotten. Connecting with your souls in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Speaking of Writing, a new podcast. Speaking of Writing is open for authors from all over the world. This gives us an opportunity to broaden our experiences, to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and struggles, and realize that we all have a story and they are all worth telling. I hope you enjoy This is Rose Cushing, and I'm the host of Speaking of Writing, and it is a podcast for authors and folks that love to write and read. My guest today is Tamara Martin, and Tamara comes to us from Arizona, and she wrote a really, really cool book that's called Bluebird, and it's about a Navajo reservation dog, and she found a beautiful way to blend something she was really passionate about into a book and a story. So, Tamara, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for inviting me. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm
1: uh, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, uh, went to high school there, Walnut Hills High School. Um, met my husband, well, Oh, I guess we were in our mid-20s, and uh, he's from Cleveland. So we, uh, we met, and... Uh, he was a physician's assistant. Um, we've been together a long time. Well, when Jim was 45 years old, he decided he wanted to be a, a, a family practice doctor. He wanted to go back to school and medical school. So um, we were able to get a National Public Health Scholarship loan, which paid for all of his schooling.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: we didn't have to take out any loans. Um, There were just the two of us, and I was working also, so we were able to do it. In return, um, Jim had to work three years in an underserved area. It could have been a prison system. It could have been downtown Chicago. It could have been um, pretty much rural, places where they're underserved. But um, we picked the Navajo Nation in northeastern Arizona to go to, and uh, they had a little hospital there in the little town called Donado which is close to Hubble's Trading Post, which in Canyon de Shea, which are famous landmarks for tourists. Uh-huh. Beautiful, beautiful place, quite a contrast from, from green, treed Cincinnati. Right. Uh, pretty much desert there, high desert, um, but when I say high desert, I mean, we were up. Five 6,000 feet as opposed to Phoenix, which is sea level. Right. So we had snow and we had uh, all kinds of different weather and uh, tall trees, no uh, none of those big cactuses. Uh, we uh, it was, was soon after we got there that um, it was very evident that they had a problem with uh, pet overpopulation. Uh, Just dogs everywhere, some of them owned, some of them straight, some of them just-born puppies, some pregnant, a lot of pregnant dogs in in the streets and dead and eating each other. It was in January when we moved there, so it was a pretty tough time for everybody. And uh, found a few people that were concerned as well, working there at the hospital and a couple's training posts. And uh, met with a vet down in San Benito, which is close to Wonder Rock, uh, and he helped us, and we all helped each other get a little group started called Black Hat Humane Society. Um, <clears throat> I had uh, started my own Humane Society back there in Ohio, called Pound Rescue of Athens. Uh, my first attempt at starting a place, starting a nonprofit, and we just our goal was just to. Go to the pound in Athens, get a dog, foster it, find it a home, it was, and give the shots and socialize it. Of course,
0: but mm-hmm.
1: that was. Um, I think they're still in existence uh, to this day. And the, the, pound, the actual pound we were taking dogs from has uh, is transformed and is new and whole, you know no kill now. So, um, but there's still a lot of strays. Any any rural areas has. Uh, is going to have strays and abandoned dogs and sick dogs, and um, it's not just a reservation problem.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's common all that's over the country, unfortunately.
1: Mhm. Any place there's poverty or people overpopulation or low income, um, there's just not the resources available. What that wants to work in, the, you know, <laughs> in downtown Detroit. Uh, they all want to make, make money, uh, specialize in that, but we, what we need more than anything in this country are more of these low-cost uh, local clinics that will come to different towns with their own vet and, and uh, technicians and do 30, 40 dogs in one day, right. dogs and cats. That's where you really make a dent. Yeah. Yeah. But most people, middle-income people, nowadays can't afford a vet. Uh, I don't know exactly why it happened. It was—I mean, that's uh, happened after COVID.
0: Well, there's not very many not vets not available. Um, the here in yeah. North Carolina, we we have a severe crisis of veterinary help available. Mm-hmm. The vet the veterinarians just aren't staying in practice long term, and it's yeah. also a high suicide rate in the veterinary world. So.
1: I've heard that too. Um, what we need is, just like I just like I said about my husband, he, he got a scholarship, and in return he worked in an underserved area. Why can't we do that with vets?
0: Why can't we do that with vet schools? That would maybe be, there is such a program, but
1: uh, it it doesn't seem to be widely available.
0: Right, right. I don't think um, North Carolina happens to have the one of the top three vet schools in the country. But a lot of mm-hmm. vets come here and train, and they don't stay here in North Carolina, so it's a huge issue, and without a doubt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So speaking about your book, um, tell me why you decided to write this particular book in the way you did. You know, because you made this what a young 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 adult book.
1: Mhm. Well, it was it was the taking the things I saw, and um, I I coined a term. Um, I don't know if I coined it, I call it helpless understanding. You understand why it's going on, you understand how, um, you you understand what could be done, but you're just helpless. um, It's such a big problem. But um, nobody gets anywhere if you just give up and say, oh, I can't do anything. Right. So, something I could do uh, was... I'd never done it before, but um, to write the book. And then I found a search for a Navajo uh, illustrator, which I found in Mr. Ernest John. And uh, I just... Uh, I wrote the story first, and then um, working with Mr. John, I just gave him a, a line from the page, uh, Two Puppies at the Trading Post. Um, and, he, and didn't ask him to do... Uh, just whatever he uh, came up with from his imagination for that picture. I didn't say what color would I want it to look like. He, everything he came up with, um, the, the, the background, the animals, uh, was from his own experience. What he uh, what he drew was from his own life. So that's what I think it makes it a really fascinating book.
0: That does sound like it would be illustrating a book. Is always the hard, a very hard thing to find somebody who can mm-hmm. see your vision, you know, and make it come to life. So that's really cool. Right.
1: Yeah, I felt uh, really good about making it, uh, making those, letting him make those choices and what colors he wanted to use and what medium and what the dogs looked like and um, yeah, it would have been awful if I if I do this, do this, do this. That's,
0: I don't think that's how you work together. Yeah, that's not much of a collaboration, for sure. <laughs> so why did you title it? What you titled it?
1: Uh, bluebird.
0: Yeah. Uh, D-
1: dog of the Navajo Nation is it's um, bluebird is a um, is every dog, every stray dog, every homeless dog on the reservation, on any reservation, and they're not just the. The Navajo Nation isn't special, it's just where I was. Right. But there's a lot of similarities and um, between the different tribes. But it happens with uh, that there's no resources, and um, also uh, the Native American's way of life is often different. I, I can't speak for all other tribes, just the Navajos that I spent five years with, because we, we not only Stayed there three years to pay back Jones. Well, but we stayed another two years because we loved it so much. And uh, I wanted to—I was still working with the animals, and really, we feel like we'd made some progress. What um, was saying? When uh, the, the, the bluebird is, there, yeah, every dog and they're they're everywhere. They're having babies in sheds, and uh, they're dying of. The elements and parvo and starvation, car accidents, mange, and abuse.
0: Right. But, uh,
1: the abuse. Real. I really didn't see a lot of actual. What we would know where we came from as abuse. Yeah. This is a um, more of an indifference. They just don't. There's just too much, um, and there's a lot of. Um, uh, I won't say a taboo, but uh, tradition says you don't hurt an animal. You don't cause it to suffer
0: right. in the Navajo
1: tradition. Um, so what a lot of families would do when they just were overwhelmed were uh, to take the dogs down to the bashes, uh, the grocery store, or uh, up to St. the de when or the tourist park and drop them off. They, I think their feeling was that they... Um, they have um, done what they could, but now it's the dog's uh, job to find to find another place. It's right. someone else's uh, obligation to take care of this puppy, or um, and they can just turn around and go away because they've done. They've put him place where their next part of their lives can happen. Right. Right.
0: It. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. It, well, I, I grew up in the in the South in a poor area, and, you know, you mm. felt like at least the, the animal would have a 50-50 shot of somebody taking it in
1: versus, right.
0: you know, right. no shot at all.
1: Right. Yes, if we all were um, didn't have any feelings or morals, we just, I don't know, we wouldn't care at all. Right. So it, it shows that people care and want to guide them. Uh, and I, we see this not just again in the reservations, but uh, what our options are there. The shelters are full. Mm-hmm. Um, none of the neighbors want
0: a copy and uh, it, it's get definitely there. definitely a crisis. But let's get back to your book now. Tell me a little bit more. Okay. Um, you know, uh, did you um, self-publish or traditionally publish?
1: Well, I went with uh, Monday Creek Publishing. Uh,
0: a traditional,
1: yeah. Yeah, a traditional publisher. Yeah, traditional publisher. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, she had uh, one of my friends <clears throat> who was in the back in Ohio. Uh, had a knew about the small publishing company in Foxville, Ohio, and uh, got us together. And really, really spoke up for me. This friend who is now deceased um, was was my champion, and she talked to Gina. Um, I'm one of those people who loves animals and doesn't like to socialize much with people. I, I don't speak up for myself. I wrote this book, and then I thought, okay, now what? And for years I thought, now what? Until my friends uh, encouraged me to go ahead, get this done. And when I did, and then it sat a little bit longer until Carol talked to uh, Gina at Monday Creek Pub- Publishing. crude pieces of paper taped together and, um, that are all the original drawings from Ernest, and, and uh, she agreed to do it. Uh,
0: she's so really amazing. It's a, yeah, I know,
1: and, um, I didn't find out later till, that she had a special interest in horses right. and,
0: uh,
1: that type of thing. I saw you are, too. Right. So, um, she really would like to, uh me to write another book with, with the same illustrator about horses because that is another big um, issue here in uh, out west on the reservation where uh, if you don't want your horse you just let it go yeah and um, pretty soon you have herds of horses sure. And, and sure you go with your herds of dogs and uh, yeah where does the yeah, where do you where do you
0: start right? Um, They all need to be vaccinated. So, when did your your book come out? Oh, let's see. I have to look at the book. It's been two years ago, I believe. Okay.
1: That's been long ago. And it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: Right. Under $20. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And are are you marketing it to schools or homeschool kids or just the Indian kids? Or how are you going about marketing your project?
1: Well, um, I'm not much of a marketer, as you Nina know, would tell you. I don't do signings or go places. Um, I have uh, gone to different libraries on the reservation. and given them my book. I've uh, donated, you know, just donated the books to their libraries and hope that they'll sell them, you know, not sell themselves, but uh, people will read them and remark on them. Right. That's, a, that's about it. Um, I put a blurb on Facebook once in a while around Christmas. To, uh, uh, you might want to think of this as a Christmas gift. Right. Um, right. It was more when, when, I was, when I was finished with it. Um, when Gina had helped me get the book out and I had this box of, of books, um, I felt, just felt like, okay, I'm done. But as you mentioned before, when we were talking, um, that's just the beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, did I write this book just to be just to sit there on the shelf, or do I want to urge other people to read it? So um, that's why I really appreciate this interview and uh, and the, 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 Cre- the Monday Creek publisher for giving me the opportunity. She really encouraged me, and um, she was like my friend who. Wasn't there anymore to champion me, but um, Gina really helped, and they made some good suggestions. And uh, I had full control of the editing and, uh, until it was until I felt it was right. Sure, was so very very helpful.
0: How long did you're it a take,
1: novice.
0: How long did it take Sorry? you? To, how long did it take you to write it?
1: Oh, um,
0: <laughs> probably a couple weeks. You wrote the whole book in two weeks. That's amazing. Well, it's just a it's just, it's a young adult book, and yeah,
1: uh, more of an actual young no adult child. I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: it's for anybody. It's for anybody. It is, um, just to want the once the scenery that Ernest Drew is very representative of, of the Navajo Nation, right? Uh, and the dogs and the this, what happened to the dogs who was once. Part of a family, but then things happened with the family, and the dog was abandoned.
0: Right. Uh, I, pregnant.
1: As soon as she was pregnant, then then she, you know, the, the the caregiver couldn't take care of her anymore, and she went to the grocery store, and uh, that's where the story doesn't have a happy end. It doesn't have a uh, a sad end either. It's just kind of there. Right. There, there's so many dogs waiting for a chance, waiting for somebody to up to them and uh, offer them a home or a chance or feed them even. So are you going to write
0: another book? <laughs>
1: um, my publisher would like me to write another book about uh, horses this time. Uh, and, and also have Ernest, uh, Mr. John, uh, illustrate for me. He's uh, He grew up with horses and uh, taming horses and very much did traditional methods and customs with the horses, Uh, nothing harsh, but but, um, just having them, uh, turning your back to them so they are curious and follow you, that
0: type of thing. Sure. It would be great to tell his story. That would be a fun book to write. Yeah. I'd really like to uh, have him talk to me and then use that to make the story. Yeah. And,
1: of course, the same way the illustration. So I know Gene is all
0: for it, so we'll, we'll have to talk. Yeah, definitely. And uh, something yeah. to look forward to in the future. Now, what's left on your bucket list as a writer? <laughs> um, well, maybe the story about mustangs or wild horses
1: on the reservation. Uh, it's meant to educate, but it's also a, a, a pretty book
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still have my own group here at St. John's Rescue Group and we're still very much uh, working with the Navajo Nation and also the Apache Nation south of us to help with their stray dogs and puppies. Nice.
0: Very nice.
1: um, I'm retired um, uh, from a long career of working, uh, but I I still do this. I don't consider it working. It's it's volunteer work, but it's um, something I'm very much
0: passionate about. Definitely so. I, I, feel, I, I can feel. Well, I
1: don't me. think we're going to make a huge difference right now, but I, I say we're going to make a little, little blip. <laughs>
0: well, I, I think that. you make a big difference. You know, if you teach the children about that this is a problem and it doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's yeah, part I've, of it. They don't I've, know that it doesn't have to be that way.
1: Right. I don't like to. Uh, you know, people keep saying you ought to go into schools and tell people this and that and. Uh, I think the best way to teach people is by
0: example. Yeah.
1: And uh, when we lived on the reservation, um, we always had a bowl of water out for the the stray dogs, and we uh, offered them food, and the neighbors watched, and the kids came over and started talking, and the priest, you know, was vaccinating their their dogs. And that's the best way.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Gently gently lead by example. Well, it's been really... well hopefully the, the book was... Sort of like that. Just these are these are examples of what can be done. Suggestions. Right, right. Well, I think you've you've done a, a wonderful service to the, the res and the dogs, and I've enjoyed having you on your show. Now, no, it's fun. Tell people again one more time where your book is available and how they can buy it.
1: Uh, the book is uh, Bluebird. That named her after the ubiquitous facts of bluebird flower that we see everywhere on the reservation. Right, right. Uh, a dog of the Navajo Nation, and uh, we don't call it the reservation, we call it the Navajo Nation. Uh-huh. And uh, we call these, uh, the, the colloquial, or, or is it the slang term for these dogs are res dogs. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, anyway, I'm back to the subject, it's by uh, my, myself, Tamara Martin. And illustrated by Ernest John, who is a Navajo uh, illustrator. Mm-hmm. And it's available at, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or, or from Monday Creek Publisher. I think she, mm-hmm. I think she went, wants me to say
0: that.
1: Yeah. So, um, um, and uh, so you can check out check it out online on Amazon, and there'll be a little review of it. And you can read what it's about before you buy it.
0: Be a great gift for somebody, a young adult in your family for certain. Right. Or any dog lover. It. Right. It's another culture. Uh,
1: we you know, way back east, um, it, was, it was a really good experience, and I, I'm glad I came. I don't want to
0: leave now. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm glad you shared this story with us because, like you say, it is another culture. And it's not, not necessarily bad, not necessarily good. It's different.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And as always, every, as always, everybody out there listening, you know, thank you for listening as well. And I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Tamara. And... Uh, Order that Bluebird book. I don't think you'll be disappointed in it.
1: No, I hope not.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Everybody has a story. Just let your mind drift away and find yours. I know it's out there. What are you waiting for?